0: TK is the pedantic one. Yes. Hedgie is the crazy one. Hello. I'm the angry one. Pedantic, angry, weird. Hello. <laughs> Hello and welcome. My name is Xavier Wolf and welcome to our brand new podcast, Ramblings of Grey Muzzle. I am here as joint host with familiar voices such as TK Tiger. Hello, everybody. And Hedge Hayden. Hello. So this is a brand new thing that we're going to be doing outside of Tiger Tales Radio. The intention is, um, with the evolution of the radio show, we've kind of dropped a lot of the talking, the ranting, the rambling. Um, So what I wanted to do is bring that back into its own separate thing. So we're going to have like a monthly talk about a topic and do what we used to do in the old shows, which could be anywhere from just bringing up random topics and going down memory lane to, you know, bitching, ranting, the usual.
1: Hence why we're calling it Ramblings of a Grey Muzzle.
0: Absolutely, because we're all f***ing old. So what we're going to do, as we are, Tiger Tales Radio, a furry radio station, one of the longest running furry radio stations, we're going to be talking about the furry fandom and furries in general. Yes, I'm getting looks from my hosts going, why are we talking about this shit?
1: (laughs) It's like none of us knew this was coming. (laughs)
0: Not like I prepared in advance at all. <laughs> so, who's got skeletons in their cupboards? But not, not quite. What I want to do is just have a chat about it, um, especially for any new listeners, because potentially from the show, you say
1: new listeners. Yeah, this is our first episode. I know they're
0: all new listeners. God damn it! So, just in case, TK is the pedantic one. Yes. Hedgie is the crazy one. Hello. I'm the angry one. Just, just so that we can get everyone's perceptions down. <laughs>
1: Our roles have now been established. Yeah.
0: Pedantic, angry, weird. Hello. <laughs> uh, so glad I'm not editing this. So, <laughs> furry fandom. Furry fandom. So what is the furry fandom? For those people who may have stumbled upon this and gone, what the fuck? Oh, I know what the furry fandom is. I oh, thing. go on then, TK.
1: The furry fandom is a collective bunch of people who all copped a boner when they saw Disney's Robin Hood. <laughs>
2: Why is it always Robin Hood that's instigated as the first furry movie? There have been loads that came before it. Yes, it may have created a huge subset of people that went, oh my God, this is cool. But they existed before that.
1: I think it's mostly a case of the Disney's Robin Hood came out at... Just the right time to spark the loins of the fandom's beginnings. <laughs> yeah, no, notice he's just going for the foie.
0: We've, we've actually underlined one of the big problems of the furry fandom and furries. It's like, furry fwa. That, that, that's the internal perception, quote unquote. The external perception is furry pervert. That's the external. It's, it's not, this is a social group. Everyone perceives it as in this is a sexual deviance, which... As we continue this rant and discussion, you'll discover does happen. Um, <laughs>
1: Spoiler warning, it is.
0: <laughs> but in, in general, from my understanding, it kind of started as a collection of people who enjoyed the aspect of personification of animals.
1: And Robin Hood's Thine Thick Fies.
0: TK has an obsession. Uh, the personification of animals, the introduction of other elements of animal personification, such as the spiritualism from uh, Native America, the gods from Egypt, things oh, like yeah. that, where it was flavorful and a combination of humans and animals. The, <laughs> the worst thing is trying to look up what furry fandom is, and because Wikipedia is a bullshit place, yep. it's like it immediately starts talking about. The TK dies, immediately starts talking about the fandom having roots in the underground comics, with an X, um, movement in the 1970s. And I'm sat there going,
1: what? Well, with all joking aside, isn't that how kind of the fandom, like, cons and things started yeah. to happen? It was a spin-off from oh, yeah. science fiction conventions and things. Euroference was the start, and it was just a group of people in a barn. I thought DotCon was first. No,
2: no, 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 no. No, the first one was Euroference, which was Uh, The first ever one was something like about 15 people just in a barn hanging out. That was back in 1989.
1: We're going to need some fact checkers on this.
2: Yeah. I think I th- I'm sure it's 1989. It's not
0: like we got internet-enabled devices yeah. in front of us that we can pick up. Yeah, like I and said, I search. Think
2: <laughs> Besides, we're chatting. If we yeah. were actually doing factual, we we would be called researchers. But we're not. well,
0: I I I do have shit in front of me, so I can look mm. stuff up. But from what I remember watching of other documentaries. Because this isn't a documentary, this is just us rambling. Mm. Um, a lot of the early conventions was people turning up to conventions, comic book conventions, sci-fi conventions, mm-hmm. and getting together with like-minded people who enjoyed uh, the cartoons and the comics and stuff and the films. Back in the day... Oh, God, I'm making myself fucking old.
1: <laughs> uh, you may have noticed other we are.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Back in the day, it's like you, you didn't have the internet, strangely enough, and... A lot of the getting to hang out with people with like-minded interests was you went to the conventions and wandered around until you found someone with Mass Effect t-shirt and go, Mm. I like that! And they go, I like that too! And you spend the next two hours talking about Mass Effect and and you wonder how you can get rid of this person.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As their stench slowly creeps into your senses and makes you part of each other.
0: Oh, but my God, you like the
2: same thing as I do. Does that mean we're friends now? Our friends life. Yeah.
0: And, and then there was the, the, the splitting, because, I mean, before Robin Hood and everything else we did, there were other animal touchstones, because Watership Down existed yep. before Disney's Robin Hood.
2: Also Charlotte's Web as well.
0: I don't know if any of the Red Wall existed beforehand. No, it didn't. No, it didn't, okay. But th- there is stuff that existed before that, which could have inspired... Like minded thing, but it was more the fact that, like any fandom, people wanted to draw their own interpretations and then people wanted to share those interpretations, but they were all little groups at a convention.
1: Mm. Uh, well, I just want to do a quick fact check um Robin Hood film 1973, Ooh. Watership Down film
0: 1978. Ah. This was the thing it was like you had your own little groups at a convention, but you mm. didn't have your own convention. And, and so like with a lot of things, they started splintering off and having their own events to then share this because you, you're trying to go from going into a room to share dirty pictures and, and all that shit to then having something a little bit less brown paper wrappers style, but unfortunately not <laughs> quite getting over the hump of brown paper rappers from what i remember of watching some of the documentaries well i mean you get that at all conventions depending oh, doesn't yeah. matter what kind of subject matter it is yeah rule rule 34 existed yeah. before the internet yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much but that's that's, that, that's kind of a general idea of it but it's not just um, a bunch of people who liked animals there was also the fact they wanted to have animalistic traits mm-hmm. and pretend to be animals and in some very extreme cases and I'll probably need someone to re- remind me entirely there were people who actually wanted to have inserts to become more animal like
1: yes mm. talking about stalking cat Dennis Adler was his real name yes yeah.
0: there was indeed someone who had inserts and things and wanted to make themselves more animal like mm. but th- this is the thing they they relate to this aspect mm. uh, and sometimes very deeply to wanting to be that aspect
2: well that relates a lot to the uh native american shamanism mm. which is where they would wear the full sort of wolf pelts which would be yeah. the full head which would then be pulled down over the face and yeah. used as a sort of a sort of a, a guide to enter the spirit realm yeah and that's where that kind of thing came from i mean the, the link is very very loose yeah. but you can see where it bleeds in
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, from, from my perspective, because um, I approached the furry fandom from a different perspective, of, uh, well, from a different avenue of these two, mm-hmm. um, mine was I originally started getting into the Native American stuff. I also did a chunk of research into Egyptian gods and things like that because for various reasons. And I, I remember reading up, but it wasn't just all ritualistic get, um for vision quests and stuff like that. It was also to bring the aspect of the warrior part of the bear or the yeah. warrior part of the wolf, the swiftness of the eagle. And that was part of their culture as well because it was a very at one with the world. Mm. Not quite the same as furry fandom, but it, it was an avenue which I followed in and ended up in. So mm. considering we're talking about avenues of how how everyone got in. What was
1: your gateway drug into the, the furry fandom? fandom?
0: <laughs> That's kind of it because it's like, we all found the furry fandom, I think, I do want to say in different way. So we'll start with TK, because I feel you you and your adventures. I can think,
1: I, think I was the most stereotypical entry into the fairy fandom of all. Oh, do tell. Yeah. Via Disney. Oh, really? Yeah. Disney? Disney, yeah, The oh, Lion great. King for me. Oh, good grief. Because back when The Lion King came out, I was still quite young. Didn't see it in the cinema originally. Uh, so we got the home video instead and watched that. And it kind of spoke to me in that way. It's like, oh, OK, this is a message I hadn't yet interpreted. And so, started kind of following the Hakuna Matata principles, if not mm. down to the letter, but the general kind of, the don't sweat the small stuff type thing. Mm. Yeah. And got more and more into Disney. So, like, for Christmas, started asking for Disney CDs for Christmas, and mm. to which the father was like, this is very strange. <laughs> Mother was like, I've got a gay son. <laughs> Oh, she figured that one out quickly. Uh-huh. <laughs> so she knew Pride it. Yep. And yeah, and then, uh, so Lion King 2 Pride. And this was back in 98, I think. Yeah, because it was four years after the original. Wow. And I was uh, in college at the time. <clears throat> and I saw adverts for it on like bus stops and things. And hmm. Simba's Pride directed DVD. And I was like, oh, hello, a sequel to The Lion King. Interesting, you have my attention. So through there, I found the lionking.org website, uh, which was hosted by Brian Tymon back in the day. Wow. And I think the main site is actually still running, although I don't think it's really seen an update anytime soon because Oof. aside from the Lion Guard, there's not really been much else Lion King news. And there was a community on there as part of the Lion King mailing list, or TLKL. For short. Oh, nice. Okay. And so I signed up to that, and this was back in 98, and I met all these people who said they were part of the furry fandom. And so I What's hadn't really... a
0: furry fandom? I hadn't really kind
1: of <laughs> developed a carriage or anything, so I just kind of used... My got college username, pretty much, and became known as that uh, on the mailing list for a while. And then started doing Taekwondo, just as a completely separate thing. And it came to the point of, uh, well, I was going to a Taekwondo Christmas party. Uh-huh. And I thought, well, that's an interesting idea. I wonder if I can get like a lion costume so I could kind of mix my love of the Lion King with my Taekwondo. Uh, they didn't have one available, but they just have a tiger costume. Nice. And so the character of Taekwondo Tiger was born. <laughs> and then I just got bored of typing Taekwondo Tiger all the time, so shortened it to TK. Yeah. <laughs> And it's it's stuck that way for yeah for yeah many many years. In fact, TK's official technical birthday is the fifth of December, nineteen ninety nine. Wow! Because that was when hell. he was that was when he was first out was there only, in the world.
0: Only a no no, it was like six years. So yeah, you know, I was still in university at Ooh. that time. But university last year of university. Really interesting that that time for that timing, because holy crap! Because that ties in quite well. So I. At that point, was coming out from university, dropping out of university, meeting my first wife, um, as girlfriend, not wife, just to clarify. Oh, that would be awkward. <laughs> yeah. so, hello, wife. Like, oh, hello there.
2: <laughs> I didn't expect you to be
0: here. Mm. So this this was when I met her first, as for the, for the first first phase of girlfriendish, um, and I lived with her for six years. Case first, first phase. Of co- <laughs> it makes sense if we explain. Is my this life. what straight
1: people do with relationships? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's
0: how relationships go. It's like you yeah. have a you have a phase of being with them. Then for some reason, it's like no, I don't love you anymore. Okay, yeah. fine. Because all different from the fifties, where yeah. it was where it was sort of
2: ah oh, yes, you look like a crack. Oh, how about we get married? Yes, we've oh, known each other for three days. You're
1: perfect. So, yeah. There's something weirdly strange but accurate about that.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> So what what happened is I uh, started meeting people playing card games because over those six years, I started getting into collectible card games. I had been a Magic the Gathering player, but I then got into... I slightly dusted with Pokemon with my best mate, but we never stayed in the scene. And then Yu-Gi-Oh came around, and I liked the animation, and I liked the cards, so I started buying the cards, but I had no one to play until I randomly went through Bargate and... uh, (laughs) Basically, it was, I ended up turning up to this place with a bunch of people of various ages, surprisingly, to play Yu-Gi-Oh! And I ran into several friends um, who I played regularly across those six years. And it was about, just about the time that I'd split up with my first girlfriend at the time. I moved out, and basically, I was still trying to play the regular card game. And one of my friends who I was playing with, we were discussing uh, native Indian philosophy and my philosophy and views over anthropomorphic animalism and werewolves because i was also quite a big werewolf guy as well at the time and basically he he this friend of friend of mine who has issues with gravity literally went holy shit you're a furry come i need to introduce you to someone i he's laughing now i i was dragged physically down to the arcade where it was like I will paraphrase, but I feel this is how my introduction was. It was like, hey, this is TK. He's a furry. TK, I found you
1: another one. That was pretty much how it went. Yeah, <laughs> from what I can remember. The line, I found you another one. Bears- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's triggering memories. <laughs> it's triggering. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a- it, was,
0: it was so out of the field. And it was just like, oh, okay. So it was like, oh, yeah, here, here's this guy. You can. You, he does the same thing. He likes the same things as you do. And I didn't have a fucking clue so it was like suddenly a case of
1: so so what you're saying is that i technically was your introduction to the furry fandom
0: yeah you were the proper one god i'm so sorry (laughs) it's better than some i've heard but it was like oh yeah there's this guy and then it was a case of oh yeah he lives with these other guys who are also furries it was like okay so i was introduced to them but it was in such a way that the introduction to the furry fandom was kind of not the same as yours where it's like a bunch of people with like-minded interests It was like I had my interests and they overlapped and I enjoyed the overlap, but a lot of the other stuff was kind of like Venn diagram style. It was like there was my circle, there was this circle, there was that circle. I hadn't quite moved my circles to overlap everything or gone straight into the furry circle quite yet. Which which is a weird way of saying it, but that's how it felt, because eventually I went from living in a room in Southampton to then moving in with these guys because they needed someone else.
1: Our resident northerner had uh, had to retreat back up north, and so we had a a slot free, and it was a case of, well, this gentleman is uh, now a friend and is looking for a hole, and we have a hole. Let's mesh these two together. And it was remarkably successful in its um, organisation.
0: Yeah, it, it, considering shocking, we're
1: here. Shocking for us that <laughs> yeah. actually something worked. Yeah, something worked.
0: And it, was, it, was, it felt very odd because it was like, oh, yeah, you clearly you're a furry. And I'm like, okay. Yes, you joined the house. And everyone <laughs> went, join us. <laughs> it felt like that because it was a case of, so what exactly is this? And someone in the house would normally go, oh, you don't know that. Let me give a detailed explanation, examples, and then a slideshow okay yeah that that literally was some of the conversations in the house oh yeah um when it was a case of oh yeah hi i'm in my fursuit okay well i'm claustrophobic already <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh it's fine let me put this head, head, head over you <laughs> okay i can't see shit that's fine no one else can <laughs> i wear glasses you asshole i can't see shit <laughs> interesting introduction to the furry fandom yep but yeah, so that was, that was TK, which helpfully led into mine. I'm fairly confident we can't segue easily across into Hedgy. So Hedgy, 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 mm-hmm. what was your introduction to the furry fandom?
2: Well, mine was, the actual getting into it was purely by accident. Because I was using a very old chat program called ICQ.
0: Now we're really and, old. Yeah,
2: yeah. And it used to have a feature whereby you could get a random chat partner. So if, you know, you were bored of talking to the people that you already knew, you could click this flower and it would tap its foot and look at you and then go, hey, there's this is random person who's online. Do you want to talk to them? And I found this, uh, this guy and I started chatting to him and found out he was in the Chicago area. And he sent me a picture of what he looked like. And he was standing next to this six foot tall blue wolf. And I said, who the heck is that? he said oh that's one of my best friends and i said well where did he get that suit from he said he made it really he made this thing and uh, i started talking with him started talking with the guy who made the suit he directed me to some various places where you could get these sort of patterns and materials to make these and i thought this looks amazing this is an entire subculture i've never heard of and yet somehow i am heavily drawn to <laughs> so uh i started researching these and uh I said, to my, I said to my mother, Mother, you know that sewing machine's down there? I want you to teach me to use it, or I will attempt to teach myself. This thing contains very sharp blades.
0: Whereupon she immediately passed out, because <laughs> a male of her family went, I wish to know how to sew. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I got hold of a um, pattern that was an old um, mascot one for basic use on um, football pitches. And uh, I went down to Fabricland, bought a load of fabric, was like grey, grey is awesome, grey is great,
1: started building this costume. And realized that making hands. Got a question for you. Yes. At this point in your life. Were yep, you? Were you already a fan of Sonic the Hedgehog? Yes, I was. Hell yeah. I yes. think this might be a pertinent piece of information <laughs> yeah. to your story. Yeah, that's
2: true, actually, yeah. But then I really started getting into it when the cartoons came out. Mm. And but it was mainly because it was freaking Sonic. Yeah. The character that I started building only was sort of. was only the only the character was influenced by that. If I didn't know about these the suits and everything, this wouldn't have gone anywhere. I just would have had loads of stickers
0: all over my wardrobe. Yeah. And that's basically what it would have been. Like, like a lot of kids yeah. of the 90s. But that's what, it yeah.
2: probably wouldn't have gotten any further. I would have just gone, yeah, I want a, I've got a poster on my wall and that would have been, been it. I forgot to add one section of the trifecta. That's fine. Yes,
0: word I like, trifecta. So, <laughs> as, as we said, weird.
2: Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, yes, I was heavily into Sonic at this point. And I thought, ah yes, I need to build this uh, hedgehog costume, and started to try and make the hands and feet. And I went, this is really hard. The bodysuit's really easy. It's just this tube suit that basically <laughs> looks like an oversized pair of pajamas. And I just went, you know what? Sonic wears gloves and trainers. I'll just get gloves and trainers. So I did, and I got hold of some insulated gloves. And wearing those under the stage lights during the heat
0: of summer, <laughs> Ooh, that's a tough thing to do. So, did you actually take this costume to a convention?
2: I did actually. Yes, ah. I went to. I found out that the one that this guy was going to, the one who was the had the wolf suit, was going to one in Chicago, Damn. Or, or yeah, in Lansing in Illinois, which is very close there. And uh, I went. Ooh, this sounds really interesting. So I said to the place that I was working. I want all the shifts you can give me for an entire year so I can afford to go to America. So I did that and worked constantly. He said to my parents, I'm going on holiday. They said, where? I said, America. They said, when are you going? Next
0: week. <laughs> because that's how it worked yep, in the old I mean, days. I just got on
2: a plane by myself, landed in, uh, in Chicago, met up with this guy I'd only ever spoke on the internet and had a freaking good time for a week. That was
0: 1999. Yeah, these two were, uh, these two. Yeah.
1: So, When were you introduced to the concept of the furry fandom, though? Oh, What year was that? That would have been 98. Yeah, same with me. Because it,
2: it was a year before, because I went, when are you going to this? And he said, that's in June 99. So it would have been about May 98 when I first started hitting. And then I just did a massive quick year transition and realised, these are my people.
1: <laughs> this is where I was meant to be. So myself yes. and you and the Hedge, both were kind of 1998 starters yeah. into the fandom, whereas Mr yeah. Xavier there came along a few years later. Well, yeah. several.
0: It was like 2000-something. <laughs> it but was I, long I after was... I'd
1: stepped back out of the fandom, really. Yeah,
2: that's but yeah the Sonic, was the, Sonic was the introduction to the character that I created. That was where he was instrumental.
0: That's, that's kind of a good indication of where we started, although the big thing is these two had a lot more of experiences in the fandom. They kind of stepped back a little bit.
2: Well, I think you guys had got into it domestically. I got into it Mm. internationally. So I'd been introduced to the American-style fandom, which was a lot more intense, and I got addicted to that kind of massive huge sprawl of um conventions i would yes. like to point
1: out the Lanking.org is an international uh, website yes <laughs> well hosted in america the lionking yeah. mailing list was actually served by lionking fans from all over the world and therefore i was well enrolled with furries from all corners of the globe but you hadn't actually met them in person No, not in person. I didn't meet uh, Furries really in person until 99 when we had a visitation of a couple of local ones. Yes. And then after I moved out and moved up north briefly, Mm -hmm. um, I was then taken to my first London Fur Meet.
2: But I said I I dived right deep into it. I went to a full professionally (laughs) organised convention. So I I took a massive deep dive into it. So I possibly went too deep too early because I kind of got addicted to this. It was almost like a drug it was like, oh my God, this
1: is so cool. And I just, I need more of this. So what I'm getting from that is it wasn't... <laughs> no, don't don't, it, please don't. It wasn't so much the furry fandom that addicted you. It was that little thing they called attention. <laughs> yes, yes. I was a very, I was a very different
2: person uh, uh, then as to I am now. I think you've killed uh, Xavier. Well, put it this way. I'll, I'll explain what happened. So... In a
0: so nutshell. Before we do the in a nutshell, yeah, I was gonna go on and say. Would you gonna... like me
1: to mute you? Is that what you're trying to ask? <laughs> we, One, we, you, we, you we, could we, laugh we... quietly in the corner by myself and Hedgy have a conversation.
0: No, the, the, the thing we were going to lead on to is talking about our experiences within the furry fandom, oh. historical experiences. Oh. I'm just, I'm just dying because I completely forgot what it's like to have you two have your your furry pin contest.
1: <laughs> I'd call it a furry oh. pin contest. <laughs> If anything plus if, also if, if it's very you should be shaving it.
0: Plus also my 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 mind went immediately into the gutter because you know 12 year old. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, in yeah. a nutshell.
2: Yeah. When I was much younger, about seven years old, I was told by my music teacher, uh, you're not going to sing on stage because I don't like the way your voice sounds. So of course that's when I clammed up and went, nobody wants to hear me speak. So of course for most of my school life I stayed out of the limelight, kept myself to myself. Then went to college and did performing arts, where the idea was break you down, rebuild you, so you're better. So, of course, then I got the ability to be more vocal. And, of course, I then had the acting bug. Come then to two years later, realize there's conventions. Go over there, realize, oh, my God, there are variety shows where people perform in front of hundreds of people. Ergo, I got into that drug because of course you're behind the suit no one can see you if you're sweating or uh making a weird face or something like that there's the anonymity and everything so of course this again fueled the fire within me of performance
0: yeah because you've done a few performances at conventions and because of with furry related stuff Mm. haven't you
2: but of course take someone that hasn't spoken Mm. for a long time then give them the ability to do it and then give them a stage where anyone amateur professional journeyman can perform and you got a recipe for someone that's like...
0: <gasps> so would, would you say with your experiences on in that yeah. um, lens, should mm-hmm. we say, um, you've like encountered a lot of like-minded thespian people, like-minded performance-related people?
2: Oh, yeah. I met so many people who were ridiculously talented, met people who were amazing singers, amazing musicians, amazing actors. I mean one of the ones that I saw amazingly well was a, a character who dressed as an eagle in a Superman costume.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: and his performances were scripted, choreographed, voice acted, uh composed and they were full-on miniature stage performances that were absolutely brilliantly well done. I mean mm. they were full-on stage plays.
0: Yeah.
2: That that's the level of choreography that these journeymen had. And I could just look at that and go, if I had the ability to do that, but of course I didn't at that point. I was just me going, I'm going to mine to five.
0: (laughs) But you, you've had interactions and discussions more with that thespian side because I know you. um, Were you adjacent to some of the bigger performers who came out? I know what was it uh, Pop Pals. No, you think of the the Puppet Show? Show. Yeah,
2: I was never heavily into that because that was more. That was more puppetry, whereas mm. I was full on performer. Mm. So I would be talking to the people that were the musicians, the singers, okay. uh, the rappers, nice. um, the dancers, especially. Mm. I had been taught how to dance. I just didn't really have the training of contemporary dance. I was expressive dance because I went to theatre school. So I kind of. He really could
0: dance that. like a tree.
2: Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could Blood's do weird like stuff like that. Yes. So, of course, I did music. I wrote parody songs, performed those, which people thought were really cool. And But that's the closest I got. Yeah. I was just like, I've created something slightly. I really enjoy the fact that people applaud to this. Yeah. So, you know.
0: So would you say your, your experiences of the furry fandom is more the theatrical side?
2: I got really into the interactive side whereas a lot of people got in through the passive side like I believe you guys did through art uh, through uh, mailing
0: lists well the the passive side for me was indeed the the experience of a lot of watching and having stuff fed in because I've not done a lot of um, conventions Mm. um I think then we can transition to my own one because going across to TK, will be here all fucking night. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of in terms of my stuff, a lot of my experiences of the furry community was within the furries down the south of England, getting to know the group within the area, uh, as well as the guys within the house. Mm-hmm. Interactions with some people further afield. Mostly, it was being told the stories because um, there's a lot of stories because it's a community. Mm there are a lot of stories and things and people can talk about stuff but there was also a lot of feed in of other adventures. yeah kind of it was like we had people who were not 100% furry but furry adjacent and mm. you had art stuff that came through and you had yeah. story stuff and people that i were hang- i was hanging around with would introduce me to these things i want to say partly because they wanted to know what my reaction to it was mm. and also because it was interesting to see me experience it because these guys were old hat by the time I joined the house. (laughs) Um, But then I want to say, like, having someone who was new, it was like, okay, well, there's this thing that you can do and there's that thing that you Mm. can do and these are fursuits and this is the other stuff that kind of happens, you know. Mm. Here's the warning signs that indicate when you shouldn't discuss certain (laughs) topics, deal with certain people. You know, that kind I'm I'm being stared at by TK as I'm doing this, and I'm not entirely sure <laughs> how I should interpret. <laughs> I say this because a lot of my feedback from the furry fandom experience hedgy. I will that's the best word. An experience is hedgy. Mm-hmm. Someone who then sits down and goes, This is why you do this and this is why you don't do this, that was TK. Mm. And that was how I was kind of like Shepherded in
1: and this is why you're getting stared at it like what are you saying (laughs) am i being besmirched here (laughs) oh god no
0: i mean you you actually took the time to explain shit which i really appreciated because there was a lot of stuff that has filtered into where i am currently because that's where eventually we'll be going next to Mm. our views currently but when i was being introduced to it it was like all new there's all this stuff i tried the artistry stuff especially mm-hmm. if long-time listeners of Tigerdales Radio may have seen stuff. I I had a fur affinity.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, fur affinity.net. <laughs> yeah, just... it, it is a public art website. Okay. It also hosts stories and musics and other yep. things.
0: I can't remember it because I've not used it for so long. No, don't at me. <laughs> but I, I used to art for a bit. I tried to art for a bit. Um, I was never really wordy of the... the I never really wrote about the furry fandom. My writing was completely different. Um, But a lot of my interactions and experiences were the social side, um, going out, getting to know the people. For me back then, actually coming out of myself, because I was not touchy-feely. I didn't express myself much, and I developed from someone who was fine with touchy-feely, could express myself, and was more than happy to then turn around to these people and go, I appreciate that you are energetic and really, really like being here, but if you don't stop, I will kill you. (laughs) And everyone went, that seems a little bit angry. And then someone went, that sounds like a sociopath. And I went, yeah, sociopath kind of works. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the angry one, Hmm. but I, I actually became more expressive because of my interactions with the guys in the house. And, the experiences that I was able to have, because I did one convention outside of the UK to a furry event in euroference and even that was a challenge for me because change of environment, um, that was a bit of a drain. Dealing with lots of people I don't know, a little bit of a drain. I might be a bit more comfortable if I did it again. Current situation, not withholding. Um, but I, I will say it was an experience to be able to at least go... See all of this stuff, meet these people, but still be able to be myself within reasons, but still be able to be myself without having to worry about other people's reactions, which was very nice, I have to say. In terms of experiences, within the fandom not current ones that the experiences way back
1: in it. the day way
0: back in the day when we're fucking old so TK I've, I've said is kind of like being the person to explain and the reason why is I feel like whilst Hedgie's globetrotting TK kind of did <laughs> more in a short space of time I, f- I feel that's
1: fair I don't know if did more in a short space of time is technically fair but I very much maintained an online mm. presence for a while uh, before growing too old and having too many responsibilities and having to Juggle too much time, and in the end, it just didn't work, and something had to give. But back in the earlier days, uh, I was heavily online anyway, much to the disappointment of family members who (laughs) trying to make phone calls. Uh,
0: (laughs) Yes, I feel. (laughs) (laughs) Get off the fucking internet
1: yeah, Stru-
2: uh, dial up internet is uh is the struggle <laughs>
1: yep it was very much it the was struggle because yes. uh, see when i went to college i was very good friends with someone who was very technically minded and they got me up and running online much earlier than i would have otherwise adventured yeah and so because i was online so much earlier than other people would have maybe assumed i was able to stumble upon these things much earlier than maybe i would have done ordinarily yeah mm. and so when i came across the fandom back in 98 and then kind of deeper dived into it in the 2000s i went to my first london Furmeet. i saw these other people who were like-minded it wasn't just this huge online community there was actually now a huge community i could meet face to face yeah and it was very much time of uh, you'd see everyone there running around hugging each other and you'd go i want that that looks friendly and nice (laughs) and so you'd start accepting hugs that were offered and all of a sudden you're finding you're being that little bit more touchy feeling that you otherwise (laughs) would have been because it was not so much a, a kind of a I like you and so I want to touch you kind of thing but more of kind of a it's a mm. friendly respect for each other. Yeah. It's like are you a hugger? If so fantastic, let's have a hug and show each other that we are friends. Yeah. And nothing more. It was very platonic. That's yeah. the phrase I'm mm. looking for. It was a very platonic friendship with everyone basically. Mm. It was a nice kind of community feeling. And that community then happened to have their own experiences and so there was a lot of exchange of culture.
0: Yeah. So how did that accelerate to Getting topless painted like a tiger and then being filmed in as part of
1: a documentary. <laughs> oh, tiger. Yes. That bit came first.
0: <laughs> Good.
1: Topless, because body paint won't show otherwise. Okay. <laughs> Operative word being body. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, was only, it was only body paint from the waist up. That was a, a nice three or four hour paint job that was done at five o'clock in the morning. Holy fuck. And then we had to travel to London like that. Yeah. Uh, That was fun, kiddies, Uh, Mm. on a a cold July morning. (laughs) But no, the London furs were uh, being featured in a documentary about the furry fandom. Mm. And we were given plenty of advanced warning, and they wanted people to show the creative side of the furry fandom. And at Mm. the time, uh, since there wasn't a huge number of fursuits around, body paint was used as a substitute. There were quite a few people who did body part and body paint. Mm. And so I was uh, visiting another furry, uh, around their place and we were discussing about what should we do you know and it was like well we could do body painting and it's like sounds fun and it's like i'll be a tiger and so yeah we organized that and i thought well if you're going to do it do it right and so went from the waist up as a tiger yeah as one does it's somewhere on the internet probably on youtube somewhere but it was called the the other side human furry animals yes Yeah. and it was actually not a bad documentary when it went into oh. some of the details that we're kind of going into now
0: yeah, because yeah, I've uh, I've seen it.
1: I'm surprised you haven't seen it, Xavier.
0: Well, no, I got shown it by TK for yeah. obvious ah. reasons because it was like, "Hey, here's me," and I went, "Holy shit!" Yes. Here's you my look f- like a baby. Here's
1: my 15 seconds of fame. Was yeah. yeah. it like at so, Channel Four at 2 a.m.? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah it was. Yeah.
0: I think that was at the time when some of the conventions went from here is this bizarre, quirky little community <laughs> yeah. to here is this incestuous filth pile. It was but a not-
1: Friday, I think. It was a late <laughs> night, like, either late night Friday or Saturday mm-hmm. viewing. It, you know.
0: But that yeah. was, that was what, one of the one of the early experiences. But, so you continued with the well, local conventions?
1: Yeah, I went for a more local thing rather than international because A, I was poor because yeah. I had mass debts and B, met these people now face-to-face. I was able to get along with the majority of them that I actually kind of paid attention to and the London Furs had a good community at the time. So there was the kind of the websites and the message boards and forums and email lists and things like that. Plus, I was also keeping up with the Lion King crowd as well and basically what really drew me into the whole community as it was it was the creativity side of it mm. whereas Hedge has gone on about the kind of performance and costuming mm-hmm. I was more of the writing side mm. and so I teamed up with various other members from the Lion King mailing list and we were doing Lion King fan fiction and things and creating these kind of magnum opuses uh, <laughs> until the Chronicles of the Pride Lands came out and was absolutely amazing and everyone just went well game over they win yeah. <laughs> For,
0: for fan fiction, sorry, fan fiction is kind of like that because it that's an entirely different topic. Everyone writes loads of stuff and then one person does something absolutely fucking awesome. And either people realise they can't copy it or they can't match it or they realise they have to then do their own thing to that level and do it.
1: Well, no, I mean, it didn't really stifle the community, but a lot of people then realised we've got to wrap our game here. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was outstanding and yeah. the um, creators of that were just... They're really, really nice people. They were more than happy to help you know, you with your own writing and everything, but they actually worked with Big Cat Rescue. Mm. And so they were able to show photos and things and experience so they could go, well, this is how we know about certain things that certain animals would do in this in certain situations. And, and that's how we managed to bring a kind of element of realism almost to the, the stories. Nice. And it was a learning experience. And from that, you then have your own kind of core group of friends, plus you have then your group of acquaintances and everything. And people would then collaborate, share ideas, swap things. And the community just went explode of creativity and (laughs) i feel it was one of probably the most creative times Mm. for the fandom
0: yeah
1: in my little small subsection i will mention this is this this not in the fandom in general because i haven't experienced the entire global fandom and i know that things in america happen very differently to things here in the uk Mm. but the uk seemed to really be a kind of a collection of niches that would intermingle Mm. if that makes sense
0: oh no it wasn't
1: just cliques but there was a lot more intermingling of the people in cliques and so you know if you had a shared interest in one particular thing you'd have that click, but then some members may have a shared interest with something else, so they be in yeah. different clicks as well, but you'd have a shared interest in something else. And so your clicks would intermingle, depending on what the underlying shared interest was, that people would then apply furry skin to.
0: Yeah, because it's, it's like the Pokemon Go kind of things that are currently happening. They, they seem to have bled into communities in a way so that the communities then have, we have our community, and then there's this section that also likes Pokemon Go. There's our section, and then there's these people who keep wandering around chasing Charmanders.
1: <laughs> kind there's, of, but uh... not quite.
0: <laughs> no, I, I know what you're trying to say. It's just the most recent experiences with the Pokemon Go crowd. It's like, hey, join us. It's like, you're lovely, you're friendly. <laughs> I really appreciate it. But can you tone down the energy level from hyper to mid-range? Somehow. <laughs> Yeah, I would think that is a very good transition then into current furry fandom experiences, because a lot of our stuff was the house and things like that. Things have moved on since then, since season three and season four of Tiger Tales Radio, and five, I think it was.
1: Uh, so that is just to go back a bit. That mm-hmm. is a topic to mention actually, because Tiger Tales Radio really started during the kind of the beginning of the end of the peak of mm-hmm. the flat being kind of the the hub for the furs. Yeah, because obviously there'd be people coming around almost every day and so we'd always have someone to bring onto the radio to chat and so it it started with us listening to internet radio realizing it was just somebody's playlist and so i went out and bought some microphones and things and a bit of equipment and we attempted to do better than that and mm. we it was certainly more interactive than just yeah somebody's playlist mm. and people that would then come down and we would uh, they would be on the show, whether they liked it or not, in some cases. And mm. uh, we'd just thrust microphones at them and go, Here you go. We're just going to sit here and chill for the next couple of hours, and you can have a nice natter with us. Yes, yeah, talk. Yes, yeah, yeah. talk. It's a, it's a thing that people don't really do anymore until yeah. they're going on podcasts. Mm.
0: Kind of, Weird, well, that. yeah, t- Tiger Tales Radio has evolved a lot. And this is why I want to go into the next bit, which is current. Our own collective view, not 2020, we're standing. Mm. The interactions with the furry fandom has kind of shifted a bit. Because if we go back to Hedge, I know you were still doing the convention or have done conventions.
2: The last convention I went to was, I think, in 2016, which I think was confuzzled. Last meet I went to was definitely before I had stopped going to conventions. Yeah. Because all the people who used to go to those had moved up north. And it was all the younger group that I didn't really know. And it would have looked weird if I was hanging out with them. (laughs) Yeah. plus they had their own cliques and oh, yeah. place to go to the only place that uh, we used to go to was uh, sega park the arcade
0: playing and, on the game machine yes yeah, yeah.
2: and after that the only things left were coffee shops forbidden planet and the yeah. parks that people used to hang out in
0: which is fine in the summer which is which there was fine. the the
2: pc place which i think was called something like pc arena which is where people used to play land
0: games. Yeah, that died to death as well. Yeah, because
2: that was that was originally in a side street in Southampton. Yep. Then it got moved to the ground floor of the bar gate. Yep. Then
1: that disappeared as well. Yes and no to that. Oh, uh, really? The PC arena that was in the kind of a side street... There's a, a story about why that closed, which we won't go into today. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> needless to say, it involves uh, police matters. Oh. Okay. And then the role of PC Arena was yeah. very much taken by uh, the person who ran the computing section downstairs in the bar gate. Yeah. Mm. And so it wasn't necessarily PC Arena that was oh, down okay, there, right, oh, okay. uh, but it was the gentleman who ran it suddenly found all of PC Arena's customers suddenly coming to him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yeah, that's where. Uh, so we used to hang out at the arcade. Then that closed. There was a small one in Megabowl, but it just didn't have the same no, no. vibe. So
0: when, I pretty much stopped doing that.
2: Did and, you keep uh, up
0: with any of the online presence at all?
2: Yeah, I did. I, I still kept chatting with a lot of the people that I would room with, cool. especially a guy in... An American who lives in France. Oh, and awesome. I I roomed with him at least three times, a couple of times in Euroference and a mm. couple of times at Confuzzled because we were both musicians and we both enjoyed making comedy-style music. Mm. So we we got on like a house on fire. But then we, we also found an impromptu stage at Euroference and we just did a full set of songs that we found in a couple of books that were um, <laughs> on the stands. So we had him playing drums, we had another guy playing keyboards and me doing vocals. Yeah. And we got a massive group of people just sitting there basically having a good time. No. But uh as for current events, it's uh I've pretty much stopped doing what uh what was really happening because uh there's there's very little that's going on.
0: But you were able to stay in contact with a lot of these people. Oh yeah. And yeah. that is kind of like your thing because you are still adjacent with the show adjacent yeah. with the stuff that we do. Yeah. And if another Disney animated animal feature mm. comes out, mm. I wish, you'd probably be there if ever oh, the yeah, cinemas definitely. opens. Yeah. For myself, I got married. That'll do <laughs> that, 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 that kind of destroyed things, I, I <laughs> want to say. And I will say that because I got back with my girlfriend who became my wife. And I ended up moving out of the house, which inadvertently then destroyed the house. Yeah, I mean, my my experience, though, was I'd I'd moved out into the middle of New Forest. So I was pulled away from a mass load of friends and events. There were other responsibilities along with getting married and work was then also a travel because I try I basically would drive from work in Southampton at the time to home in the middle of New Forest, mm. and the radio shows I would try, because I didn't have decent internet at the time, I wasn't dialing in as I was, and I would do the show and head home at, God, when did we finish? Fucking late. Yeah. I was driving home for an hour to get home to sleep and then driving back to work the next day. Mm. I was still doing 10-hour days. Jobs also shifted, and I was then also then Bournemouth. I even kind of dropped out of the friend group a little bit because mm. of stuff going on. Mm. Then I got divorced. <laughs> then, yeah, then, then I split up with my wife and I ended up going, well, shit, depression. Mm. Um, I was still keeping in contact with TK and Hedgie and, and, and many people who were still down here, mm. but I was living in Bournemouth. So my life at that point was driving to you guys for stuff, the show, things like that. Because, yeah. again, didn't really have brilliant internet. Mostly it was just keeping myself sane, I suppose, and keeping myself with a group that I could relate to. Mm. I did have other friend groups who who were helping, but I, there was a lot that happened. But I, I had the support group, I will say, of friends and associated friends and still the fandom, and it got to the point where I was able to then at least be able to turn up because we went to like a day convention i've been able to hang around for the day events i have now reached the angry phase it's like i my tolerance of people wasn't brilliant when i was in the house but i could you know it's a case of if you're fine i'm fine and if we can talk that's fine but if you get on my nerves i will stab you um now it's a case of you're energetic and bubbly Mm, let me get the gun um I laugh. It's kind of serious. It still helped keep me sane.
1: Yeah, I will say for the point of reference. Yeah, this podcast is being recorded in the early 2021s. Yes. Consequently, for those listening far in the future,
0: we're still we're still in lockdown. <clears throat> we may still be in lockdown when you hear this. Uh, <laughs> I separated from my wife at the time, moved to Bournemouth, tried to get myself back together, ran into, kind of collided with my now current wife, moved. Back into the middle of the New Forest, whereas in between Bournemouth and Southampton a bit more. But I was then able to have a more stable balance of everything because you guys were supporting me. My other friend friends were supporting me. Jules, who's my wife now, was supporting me, and I could get back into being able to do this kind of stuff and doing Tiger Tales Gaming, which was something I. would It's really fun. Well, it was really frustrating at times, but it is really fun. <laughs> and doing the radio show and doing this as mm. well. Mm. So for me, it's still a furry thing. I mean, there's the picture of TK and Hedgie with the, are we still live? That forever is going to be a thing. I've got on my computers, several safe places, the picture of, that was done for us in pen. Oh, Laz, yes. uh, Ev, myself, TK, yeah. um, doing a show with me with the headphones on. Yes. the wrong way round even though they never saw me they'd yeah. done this picture with me with the headphones on the wrong way round which was a common gag after the show had finished
2: I think that was in 2006 because yeah. yeah. I stopped doing the show at that point because mm. yeah, yeah. I used so much energy I kind of yeah. gone oh my god I can't
1: do this anymore and the artist on that picture was Sheriff if I yeah. remember correctly yeah very I, good I, artist
0: really like that really like that thing and I've kept hold of the digital copies because I really like the picture <laughs> And shout out to Evie, who did a really awesome picture of my persona, which I commissioned. And it was like, usual, I usual oh, yeah, do whatever. That's not how it works. Yeah, do whatever. That's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me creative freedom.
1: Mm. I've not had many pictures commissioned. No. And so when I have had a little bit of spare money and been able to commission one, I found it very difficult to say, "I here's a general idea and theme, but... Mm. If you want to run with something, run with it. You've got the creative freedom there. And I can understand it from the artist's point of view, because as a writer, occasionally, when handed the blank slate, yeah. you've got too many options. Oh God, yeah. And you need someone to narrow down what options you have available so that you can then focus in a direction. Yeah. So I can understand why they don't want to do the whole blank slate, go with anything you feel like. But at the same time, as a commission-er... I don't have a picture in mind of... I just want a picture of yeah. my character, please. And I am not particularly fussy, so long as it's PG-13. Yeah, what you sure. do with it?
0: But I, I would say my experience now is much more a part of me. I am comfortable with furry having improved certain areas of my character even if events have kind of eroded that unfortunately but i am happy to say i've made some interesting friendships some of which i've managed to last and i will constantly go it's a furry radio show even if we're not that into the furry scene because to me this is the furry scene tiger Tales radio we are a furry radio station because we are furries
1: yeah we may not be massively active members of the furry community (laughs) but we're still furries yeah Mm.
0: i am happy to have this current experience even if I am over 30, as I saw the Twitter So hashtag. You don't
1: need to put that in quotes, Grey Muzzle. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely Grey Muzzle. Hedgy is the social one. Hello. I am the socially awkward one. And Xavier is the antisocial one. <laughs>
0: it's not really antisocial. It's, I have a tolerance for people. And I learned a good tolerance from being with the furries. And now I still have a tolerance. It's just at this point, my tolerance is, if you are going to act, not be, act like a hyperactive mature child, I will murder you. <laughs> <laughs> I I enjoy it, but I don't need it. I don't need the act thrust upon me. If you are a hyperactive person, I will pick up on that. And that is fine. I have a hyperactive friend in my life and, and he has now got two kids. So I am scared. <laughs> I'm the godfather for one of them. But it's like I've developed a certain thing with... How I deal with people. So it's really down to you then now for your current experiences, and I want to. I feel like you're similar to me in a certain degree, but I don't know how well you've kept up to date with everyone else.
1: Well, in terms of how much I've kept up to date with everyone else, it's been not very much recently, and I say Mm. recently as in referring to basically since two (laughs) thousand and three. Aside from the visitors to the houses and flats that we've had over the years, yeah, um, I am terrible at maintaining an online presence. Mm. And so a lot of friends who I knew from way back when, I'm now in a position where, and have been for a great long time, where I can only really see them online. And because I am terrible at maintaining the online, because I don't have the time to be on chat programs constantly, and my use of social media ranges between very full-on for a short period of time and then virtually non-existent. Um, I'll read social media. I just won't usually kind of input anything into it. Yeah, Uh, It's very anti-social media as far as I'm concerned. It's good because I want to look in at the world and see what it's doing, but I don't really want to interact with it just yet. I'm not feeling up to that. Yeah. And so after my kind of hermit phase for a while, coming back into the fandom, I noticed that the fandom had moved on without me, which I was fine with because I'd kind of moved on without it in a in a different direction in that regard. And it was also a lot younger than how I left it. Yeah, <laughs> And all of a sudden I was going, I really don't belong here. <laughs> As I, I went to a Southampton Furs meet, and yeah. aside from one or two other grey muzzles who were there, oh, yeah. um, it was very much the new blood. Mm. And I was sat there going, yeah, I am just going to be cramping these guys' style.
0: You felt very much like you were the responsible one at a kid's party.
1: No, I felt very much like the one who, if anybody else walked past, would go, well, <laughs> he's on a register. <laughs>
0: oh. Which is also a symptom of being an adult at a kid's party, by
1: the way. Yes. By- <laughs> And because I'm socially awkward anyway, yeah. I didn't need that extra layer of awkwardness. And so I just went, nah, maybe just not be in person anymore. <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah, that's, that's a, a pretty good journey. Furries, the community, our views, our experiences, current now. I wanted to discuss things like the major issues, but the biggest one is the sexual perception of furries. This was something that was kind of discussed, introduced, and then basically, by the way, here's the hard drives full of,
1: Mm.
0: introduction that I had.
1: I think we should preface this whole entire section by saying, yes, we are well aware that other fandoms also have material of an 18 plus nature. Yeah. Yes, we are well aware that other fandoms may like to promote their material of an 18 plus nature, what we're talking about here isn't exclusive to the fairy fandom. No.
0: Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> people seem to think it is. One thing that I know kind
2: of solidified this in the populace was an episode of a programme called Eurotrash. And yes. this was a Channel 4 programme that was very salacious in nature. Oh, and yeah. It showed all this European weird stuff. It was like Tarrant on TV, but it was very, very... Oh, God, concentrated, we're dating
0: ourselves even more. It concentrated
2: <laughs> on Europe and the yeah. very, very... Sexualized programs yes. that would be on that. And one of the episodes dealt exclusively with conference in Germany. Yeah, And conference was very well noted for being a kink-related convention. It was very sort of open. So it was open to a lot of the BDSM community, a lot of the leather community. That's where they would gather. So the splinter groups that merged between the furry fandom and the sort of the kink groups would merge into there.
0: Not that they're... Bad, not that we're saying no. having those kinks is bad, and not but, we're saying they having their own thing is bad.
2: When you have EuroTrash, they yeah. look at it through that single lens and go, Oh, this is the only thing that happens. So of course then well, we have to try and sort of go, Oh, wait, not exactly.
1: But this it, is part of the overall problem is yet. that yeah. um programs like CSI to do another kind of yeah. throwback to the age when we were back in the fandom. And kind of heavily focused on the sexual aspect of the fandom. Yeah. It does paint a media portrayal as that, yes, the furries are all degenerates, which, as we all know, is not necessarily the truth. But on the flip side of that, there has been, and this is something I've noticed more in the last kind of five to ten years or so, there has been a very hard push against that. Yeah. As if to now create the image that the fandom is as nearly as squeaky clean as can possibly be.
0: (laughs) I, I think it is the fact that, I wouldn't say it became a rabbit hole, it became like a pair of trousers, People could jump in and veer off and find all this wonderful art that was nice. All these wonderful people who did entertainment, singing, really social hugs. That's fine. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's a little bit touchy-feely. That's fine. And then down the other leg, they found a list of Pornhub tags, Mm. basically, it was kind of weighted if you weren't prepared to do your due diligence. It was like, if you jumped in with no fucking clue, you, you kind of found yourself veering off down the other way. Cause a lot of people have the perception because people's initial introduction is either is through crappy documentaries or the porn, Mm. because you know, when you're young, what do you share? Mm. The fucking cute art you share the porn. Mm -hmm. And Then you start getting the stories, which we won't delve into, but there are the stories, and some will say quote-unquote myths, but others will say quote-unquote reality. And the trouble is, while some of it is probably bullshit, there is a pile that isn't, but kind of gets labelled as the thing that the furry fandom is, rather than these guys are assholes, this is the furry fandom. Mm. And that was the problem.
1: I think it can be explained succinctly in that the furry fandom has as healthy and active sex life as any other fandom. Yeah. It's just the furry fandom does a very bad job of keeping yeah. it where it belongs.
0: Yeah, cuz the fandom is a lot more dense in terms of population for gay, lesbian, bisexual and for those people who may not necessarily fall within what people term as the normal parameters for functioning. So you have a lot of people who find this stuff and find these things, find they can express things that they didn't know and understand. And if, again, they don't do enough due diligence, they can end up having bad experiences or providing bad experiences, such as things happening at conventions where lifts break. Ah, yes. That's tame. The not tame is the convention hotel having to request certain people not walk around the fucking building. I am being vague for reasons. Mm. And whilst I understand kink oh does he yes i do have a dictionary i understand kink for me it's like you have your thing you have your sexuality you have your desire to express yourself but you also understand that there is this boundary as much as there's the you inside you outside there's also this boundary that exists where there's your toys and your experiences unless you recognize everybody outside of that line is happy and comfortable with your experiences like that. You keep your experiences behind the line.
1: But there are times when you do have to push those boundaries because, mm. I mean, for instance, there are certain communities that get a frosty-ish reception oh, yeah. at things like Pride events. Yes. Because a lot of people say, well, these are kinks, they're not necessarily your sexuality, so they have no po- they have no point of being at Pride. But the whole point of Pride is that you can go and be celebrating who you are. The place like uh, Pride and things like that is where you can then create that visibility of your certain aspects uh, so that other people who may be struggling with themselves internally can see, oh, wait a second, there are other people. I am not the only one. Or uh, they can feel included in something and it might help them come out of their shell. Or somebody might be, I've got a passing interest or a curious interest about what you're doing. Hmm. I can see you expressing it here at Pride or what have you. I'd like to come and speak to you for more information and things. So it can be a very much a learning experience for people to get into a particular field of kink. And where those documentaries and things came out yonks ago about the furry fandom kind of displaying it as more of a sexual thing, some furries of that time came in because it was their kink. Yes. And so there is an element of kink to the furry fandom. And yeah. that's mostly because a media helped bring it along but people kind of decided to incorporate it into their kink arsenal effectively
0: on the one hand it's like yes you want to be expressive on the other hand you also should be able to say don't run down the fucking corridor with your wang out kind Mm. of thing Mm. (laughs) very blunt this is the
1: thing with kink there (laughs) yeah there's there's a core main tenant of kink which is safe sane consensual Mm. if you're breaching any one of those then you're doing it wrong basically Yeah.
0: yeah experience adjacent and stories experience adjacent because i have been close enough to things that have gone drastically drama fiery plane into the floor wrong and from the stories of people who've had far worse now i will say from what i've seen of especially on the internet at the moment there is kind of a push to make it and it kind of started about the time when it was like oh well this category of porn needs to go And that that was a big thing in England anyway. I feel that was when a push started to happen where it was a pushback against it being more sexual. Because even with the convention that I went to, there were the groups who went off to their own rooms, and that's absolutely fine Mm. to do their own things. Mm. And that was kind of the point. You know, it it wasn't horrendously overt, but you then also had the people who would then go, oh, well, it's nice they're doing the fursuit walks, but... Maybe they should wear a different fursuit. It's those things that then come up and you go Right. <laughs> okay. Yes. They,
2: yeah, they will normally have two suits. One that's family friendly,
0: one that yeah. is used you, for that. You've got your
1: thing. main suit and your play suit. Exactly, yeah. But oh, yeah. I, feel that, yeah, I feel like suit as they're called. I
0: feel like a lot of that though is lost in the in the noise, because that was the big problem when the stories and that and I understand with the push to clear it. A lot of the stuff that makes the furry fandom the furry fandom is the love of the personas, the animalistic tendencies, and being able to play. And a lot of the noise that sometimes can be generated about being the person, because this was something I picked up on from being in the house around various furries. There was a lot of it's all about me very egocentric. I mean, we can say Hedgie's egocentric, but believe me, there are people far, far <laughs> yeah, worse. There are people who will
1: trample over yeah. other people because they want to become popular.
0: Yeah. Mm. And then it became not just, oh, popular, but I am the person everyone shacks. I was like, But doesn't that make you a slut?
1: Yeah, but you see, slut-shaming is not something that goes down too well in the kink communities. No, Uh, It's something that some furries try to kind of push. Uh, I've seen instances on various social media sites where people will try and shame people for being sexually active. Yeah. And slut-shaming and things like that. And where people bring other kinks into the furry scene as well, because furry is very malleable. It can yeah. be pretty much whatever you want it to it, be. It does overlap a lot. And so if you're into things like BDSM, fantastic. The, you can have your character, your furry character in BDSM situations. Yeah. Anything that a human can do, a furry can do. Yeah, you know, Your character is as flexible as it needs to be in that regard. Mm. And so if you wanted to have breath play images or breath play scenes and whatever as your furry character, congratulations, you can. It's nice and easy. And so there will be people, though, who are a bit more puritanical and would rather that wasn't a thing Mm. and where 10 15 years ago or so furry was very much a a conglomeration of people who had shared interests and everybody tolerated each other's extravagances shall we say i've seen especially in the age of twitter and things the rise of social media as it is that's gone down a very different road now where people are now taking it upon themselves Mm. to be the moral arbiters and say well actually i think this particular activity is offensive for whatever reason and therefore it should be banned from the entire furry community, to which I take big umbrage with.
0: Yes. Because A,
1: who the fuck are you to determine what (laughs) other consenting adults do with their furry characters in their own time Yeah. and and put on various furry websites? And B, who the fuck are you to become the moral arbiter of everybody else's actions? (laughs) Yeah.
0: This leads into probably the last thing we can talk about, which is the splintering and the splinter groups Mm. um, and the overlap. Because I know, whilst you are the entertainment guy, Mm. I know there's the artists because Mm. every furry convention is the artist den. Yeah. The music side, I know there's always been a DJ or something like that at places.
2: Well, you always had people that would DJ the dancers, people who would play certain types of music and they would
1: be the headline acts during those dances. On that thought, actually. Yeah. Would you say it was fair to say conventions as a whole were generally fursuit-focused? When
2: I first started going between 1999 and 2003, all of the events, such as the performances, the masquerade, all of those were fursuit-only. You couldn't mm. perform...
0: Half-suit with... or in non-suit. Oh, no, if
2: you suit. were being a partial, as long as it had a head mm. and at least feet and hands you were perfectly fine. You could okay. perform because you were technically in a suit performance. If you were not wearing a suit, you could not perform. The only thing you could do was be a stage ninja, which was basically getting things on and off stage. The dance competitions were first suit only. Mm-hmm. And that was up to 2016. Because I think in 2016, at Euroference, they first started doing a dance competition non-suited. All the other dance competitions were first suit only. The performances started doing non-suit Because they realised that some people couldn't play instruments in full suit. Some could, because they practised for a long time. So you started having variety shows where you could perform without a suit on. And they originally were called fursuit variety shows because it was suit or nothing. That was the drawer of it. It was all the suits. Then the masquerade, which was a judged performance where you could win a prize depending on how good you were. Yeah. Then as years went by and more people started to join and the quality of suits went up because most suits were either bought from mascot companies where they were selling them off yeah or they were made by hand and oh, most God, people yeah. made their own suits when you started getting people that then started turning it into a lucrative business You then realised that the quality of suits went up. So those people that still had the handmade suits, like me, were starting to look a bit shabby. So they started saying, okay, well, it's getting a bit unfair to say that you can't be in the variety show because your suit doesn't match the calibre of the ridiculously (laughs) intense ones that you're paying a lot of money for. So they went, okay, we're going to stop being fursuit only because we want to allow people in who feel a bit self-conscious that okay. they're wearing a suit that is a bit low quality. For example, my first suit was, it was a jumpsuit made out of cheap fur fabric with a head that was made out of polyester lining, a small bit of foam and fur fabric sewed into a sort of a, a circular shape that would bend when it was sewn together. And that was reinforced with a cycle helmet inside. And that was it. It was gloves and trainers that served as the hands and feet. So it was the most basic, basic that you could have. But because I had a hedgehog character who was unique, that was what allowed me to stand out. Nice. So I kind of had that on my side. But then as the quality of suits increased, you then start to see the divide between the quality when you get professionally made ones competing against the original suits, you get that divide and they went,
0: okay, we need to stop this. So would, would you say like there was that splintering of the suitors and then the non-suitors? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Nowadays, you there is a definite difference because the first suitors would be doing the parade where you'd get to see all of the quality of suits that were on offer, which is kind of like a sort of a carnival. You'd see yeah. this huge parade going around instead of putting everyone together in variety performances and then seeing that difference to it. And also you can do a lot more sort of sketch comedy and yeah. performance out of suit because unless you're really good at mm. doing mime and performance in a suit with a moving jaw, which again is expensive, you can't get that interaction because then you're basically going banana splits where it's yeah. just you've got the performers who are miming and all the actions are yeah. extravagant. To match that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Because I know with the artists... Yeah. Even with the convention and talking to people, it got very much the den, mm-hmm. artists, mm-hmm. and the commissioned artists. Well, you and were... then there was everyone else outside of that.
2: Well, it originally started Group. as the dealer's den was yeah. all artists. Yeah. It
0: was literally just art.
2: People who would do commissions on the fly. Yeah. Fill in sketchbooks. And people who were already selling pre-made art in booklets. Yeah. You also had people that would make you badges, which they would draw while you wait, and then they would seal it up, laminate it, give you a punch card, which you could oh, put yeah. on yourself. So it was all artists. Then it started increasing, whereby the dealers would then start selling plushies, alcohol,
0: yep.
2: keychains, and then accessories. They started, yeah. yeah. So then, of course, you had the den, and then you had the artist alley so you then had two which splintered off from there so the <laughs> dealer's den would be things like people selling cds their music their brewed alcohol their soft toys all those kind of things magazines yeah then you had the artist alley which the people would be selling prints drawing commissions so again that splintered off as well because so many people were doing other things people who made soft toys were sort of can i have a spot in the dealer's den it's like what do you draw oh i don't i sell soft toys and oh, well, the, yeah. de- the dealer's den is only for artists. So they would then sit outside the dealer's den yes. and just sort of go, oh, by the way, uh, okay. I sell these. Yeah. At which point they then went, well, we can't technically stop them doing that because mm-hmm. we haven't let them in there. So then that started splintering and then yeah. you've got the whole two split off of dealers and artists. Yeah. So again, that goes for that.
0: And then Then, this- oh, good. Here we go. then yeah. you had
2: the third one, which yeah. was the art auctions oh christ whereby those. you have people which would draw bespoke things directly for that convention yeah. which they would then sell off but then it split off <laughs> again whereby you have the charity art auction and the art auction and the charity art auction was all pg-13 drawings mm. which would be auctioned off for the nominated charity then the art auction itself was personal stuff which you would
0: buy which could be 18 rated I, I would like to see my fairies persona stepping on someone because I am a macro. Well, in
2: that one, in that arch auction, that stuff was pre-drawn for yeah. the art auction and you would bid on it almost like if you were bidding at a real auction. Mm. So I, you had have, have those four things yeah. which then split off from one thing.
0: I, I honestly hadn't expected the splinter groups to be that bad with the entertainment side, mm. I'll, considering what I know of the other splinter groups, not the sexual stuff. Yeah. I I get I get the fucking well, it ridiculous one. <laughs>
2: the entertainment one was purely related yeah. to the quality of suits. Well,
0: there was something that basically mocked bad suits at one point. Yes, and there and was. That was the yes, thing. Yes, but so I I can understand the splitting. But it's, a, it's mm. interesting to see how splintered. Even though it's under an umbrella, mm. within an umbrella, it's still so heavily splintered mm. within the fandom. Yeah. Um, if we go to the to the other end of the spectrum for the furry fandom. Both sides I will say is interesting. The the sides I end up with for the splinter groups is obviously the the more um controversial because they're the outspoken <laughs> assholes. Um cuz yeah, somehow we brought politics into into the furry fandom and somehow we also brought religion into the furry fandom Ooh. because we have splinter groups of Christian furries, which was a weird sentence when I first encountered it because yep. it's like I am an ex-Christian. And it's like, oh, yes, we also pretend to dress up as animals. It's like, from a Christian standpoint.
1: I think the problem there, though, is a Christian is a very broad church, if you feel excuse yes. the pun there. It um, is. <laughs> and that you don't really necessarily have to follow a traditional no. sect of Christianity, because uh, there are so many different sects of Christianity. Oh, yeah. It's very broad, very diverse, because um, even in the pup scene, um, hmm. in one of our local groups, actually, there is a minister. Um, <laughs> okay, so... Yeah I mean it's not a particularly large church that he's in charge of or anything no. and I think it's one in the states yeah I don't see why there should be an issue with Christian fairies they should have that room in there for it's, whatever it's just they want. It's
0: weird sentence because from, from my upbringing I was not in a strict church but I was very much introduced to the idea of there being a group of people who would frown upon your activities if you were young and I was young. If we did nice things that Tone kind of softened and people were proud of us but it we were still young there was shit we did so yeah it was like there's the youth group can you at least make it sound like we're not fucking delinquents no <laughs> okay <laughs> From my perspective, Christianity does, does shift a lot of people's perceptions of groups. Encountering and knowing that there are furry Christians was an eye-opener. The political, the political furries was the other thing entirely, because it's like, as mentioned, especially by TK, but in feel, especially by Hedgie, the furry community, furry, is an escapism route.
2: Mm.
0: Art, escapism route. Drama music yes, you can yeah. use it as a statement, but a lot of the time it is designed so that you, the creator or you the participant can then escape and whilst you are expressing, you are then being someone different, uh, being being able to experience and flow out. I would like to see that a lot more of
1: but yeah, hey. I mean some things that recently have kind of annoyed me a little bit mm. is when certain events were going on back in 2020. Uh, with, um, <clears throat> I had to put this delicately, there was a lot of dislike for the police at the time, shall yes. we say. Oh. Yes, yes. Um, and there was backlash against furries who had German Shepherd personas, oh. Which is stupid. Because German Shepherds were seen as police dogs and hey. police being the enemy of the state <laughs> or what have you. Um, therefore, oh. German Shepherd characters were bad and these people should be excommunicated from the community. Oy
0: vey. Whereupon I'd have bitch slapped them and go, you do realise you're talking to people who like a type of dog. There's a lot of frustration, I will say that, but TK managed to elucidate a lot more than I have. I would like the furry fandom to be the ideal that it was, Mm -hmm. and I would like people to stop being pathetic and trying to make it into an ideological ideal, which is a weird sentence. They don't seem to want it to be an escapism, they want it to be a very fixed idea of what they think Hmm. the escapism should be. We wanted to go back to the old days. That's the trouble. That's the trouble. It's like if we were going back to the old days, it's like awesome. Disney movie marathon for all day. What are we doing next? Well, there's a bunch of people in fursuits that are going to throw beanbags at each other. So (laughs) basically, don't be in that room. Mm. What's going on in the other room? There's a large amount of alcohol in there. Mm. But what's going on? There's a large amount of alcohol (laughs) in there.
1: Use your imagination.
0: (laughs) And, And having it as fun expressive, that's the thing. Rather than you're not allowed in because of personal viewpoint of Mm. idiot who's gatekeeping Mm. that I don't want. I understand the reasons for gatekeeping because there is a case of there are rules you need to follow, Mm. break them and we will throw you out the door. Mm -hmm. That, that is because bouncers understand you let people in for business, but you get the people who cause problems out in the most efficient way. (gasps) Oh God. Yeah. But I think we've managed to cover a good chunk but this, this is the first one. This is Ramblings of a Grey Muzzle. And this, this was our first podcast and talking about very fandom, our experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name is Xavier Wolf. We have Hedge Hayden. Hello. TK Tiger. Hello. And thank you very much for listening to us, however you've managed to find us. We will be looking to do this on a monthly basis.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So once this one's come out, it will probably be roughly a month before the next one comes out. Keep an eye on the feeds. So it's a goodbye from me, Xavier Wolf.
1: It's a goodbye from me, TK Tiger. And it's goodbye from me, HT Hayden.
0: Thank you very much for listening and join us again on our next podcast, Rambling with a Grey Muzzle.
1: Rambling's all for Grey Muzzle.
0: Fuck you, TK! <laughs>